Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined once again by lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about whether we can still avoid a recession. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah. We have a lot to talk about. Something uh, positive actually happened in the housing market today. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's get to that. What positive thing happened in the housing market today? For the first time since mortgage rates have risen, we've actually had uh, four consecutive weeks of positive weekly purchase application data. Uh, And remember, context is always key. The purchase application data, I've been following religiously for over 10 years now. It's a bit of a funky survey data. And sometimes you have to make some real adjustments to the comps. So going back many months ago, uh, one of the things I've talked about is that starting in October of this year, we're going to have very, very challenging year-over-year comps because what happened last year was something very abnormal. Volume growth actually started in October, November, December, went into January. That's the lead-up in demand all the way uh, till January of this year where existing home sales peaked at $6.49 million. Purchase application data took that there. Um, and what, what occurred was usually we see volumes from the second week of January to the first week of May and total volumes uh, fall. This wasn't the case. Now, in 2020, we had a delay in demand due to COVID, and then it just rebounded. So we saw that growth toward the end of the year. That was very predictable in that sense. Here was something different. We literally just had a, a late late season run. So I'd expected 35 to 45% year-over-year declines every week starting from October. So far since October, our year-over-year declines have been about 39 to 46%. That D- declines in what? Year-over-year data. In purchase of what? Application, a purchase okay. application data. Okay, great. So that, that has occurred. That looks normal to me. What has happened now since the CPI report uh, came in a little bit uh, uh, less than expected, mortgage rates have fallen down. Purchase application data is now four weeks of positive growth. We had this occur actually when rates went from six and a quarter to 5% earlier in the year, but it was only about three weeks. So this is the first time we've been able to have one month of growth. We have to put this in context. The year-over-year decline peak was 46%, and the last two weeks were at 41%. So what you want to see, especially if mortgage rates could get down toward 5%. You want to see the year-over-year declines get less and less and less and less and then get to a point to where you're just flat. So this is just one month of positive data line that looks out 30 to 90 days. And that's, people have to remember this, that purchase application data is forward-looking. So this might not even show up in the sales data until um, uh, January and February, which means that you know uh, February and March we get the that that month's data. So it's just something that has been. A, this is actually a material change if you want to see one month uh, positive data lines. Uh, you know, during COVID we had this major decline in purchase application data. Then we had a V-shaped recovery. The year-over-year declines were getting noticeably less and less and less to positive. We just have a very shallow bar that we're working with. 
And it just looks like to me there's a stabilization with rates just coming from 7.375 to 6.60%. And, and that's what it is. That's that's how we should look at it right now. Something to think about for 2023, if mortgage rates can move back down with duration and time back down toward 5%. So when you were up, so this is for these four weeks, do you think that that's the, the mortgage rates falling off just a little bit? Like Yes. Yes. Because okay. this, this, this traditionally always happens. And we saw this earlier this this year. We actually had three straight weeks of positive uh, purchase application data on a weekly basis. I'm not a big weekly person guy. I've always been a year-over-year guy. But when you have such a waterfall collapse in purchase application data, you you need to find a stabilizing area. And one of the things I I always like to focus people on, uh, 2014 adjusting to population, that year purchase application data hit an all-time low. And we kind of got there and we just bounced off of that level. Um, it's a trend survey uh, data line. So it just basically takes anything that happens during that week. Uh, but for it to be really positive, you need the year over year declines to get less and less and less until you get back up the flat. So, uh, but this is a material change because it's been four weeks. You don't usually pay attention to the week to week data, uh, uh, but when you have a trend, We'll see. We'll see what becomes of this. But if that occurred just from seven point three seven five to six point six zero, you know, like what I've talked about is that we saw buyers come in at five percent, and also we're working from a lower bar. That's so key when you look at economic data is that you have to work off a different trend. So if we were working from a very high level in purchase application, it wouldn't matter at all, right? It's just. But now you try to find a stabilization area. And for for one month, we have it here off of just that rate move. So it's something to think about in the future. This data line is very seasonal, second week of January to the first week of May. That's where the bulk of the volume traditionally is. COVID has ruined this data line like a lot of other data lines. But that's something to think about in spring if mortgage rates come lower. If they go back higher, we we, we especially over 7%, there's issues. But if it comes lower, we have now seen evidence twice now this year that that first move in rates does bring in buyers, but you need duration, you need rates to go lower for a longer period of time for it to be a meaningful change. Logan Motoshami, I'm going to use both of your names right now. Firsty, lasty, do not say, bite your tongue on, on higher rates. We cannot go higher. That It will not be good for us. So I'm just, I'm just putting it out there in the universe. No higher rates. We are now at the point where we need them to go lower. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you know today uh, uh, Chairman Powell is speaking, and a lot of this is, you know, his the the Fed is going to talk as tough as possible uh, until Americans start losing jobs, until you have problems feeding your kids because wage growth is too. You guys are making too much money. You're spending too much. You know, we we can't we can't do our job right until we feel more pain. So they're going to talk as tough as possible. But again, if you actually look at some of the inflationary data, especially on a year-over-year basis, things are starting to cool down. So I just had this conversation on Twitter with someone that we are in a much different place today on November 30th, 2022, than we are from November you know, uh, 30th, 2021, right? Especially with shelter inflation. The growth rate of shelter inflation is noticeably cooling down, and we have near 
one million uh, two-unit multifamily construction or rental properties that are coming online next year, right? Or you know they get built out in time. So that is a positive thing. That's been a big talking point. Shelter inflation runs CPI inflation. One of the reasons we had stable inflationary data core from you know 2000 to 2019 is shelter inflation was stable, right? It was always growing, but it wasn't growing at an accelerated rate. We have an crazy event of COVID happening in a very, you know, big demographic patch for us in America. And then also rental vacancies were at all-time lows and total housing inventory is all-time lows. Some of that is changing. So the shelter inflation is really the story of rent. And just remember, we have near 1 million units about to come online next year that are under construction, whether they be apartments or single-family rental. They're coming online and we're already seeing the growth rate of inflation cool down there using real-time data. We don't use the CPI data here. If you're using the CPI data, you're too old. You're too slow, right? That nobody, Anybody using that is just off the grid, right? That's just not, everyone should know this by right now. It's not designed for these really crazy events. Just the same thing in 2020, right? In 2020, shelter inflation was looking like it was still falling. It wasn't, right? We're about to have a, a huge rebound in that. That's why the talking points back in uh, late 2020 and early 2020 was, hey, man, rent inflation is about to take off. So things are moving in the right direction if you're looking for rates to go lower and because we're just in a different spot today than we were one year ago. You wrote an article for us this week, Can We Still Avoid a Recession, that talked about there are two pathways where this could still like, uh, obviously housing is in a recession, but you're talking about the overall economic recession and can we still avoid one? And so this shelter inflation is really important in that, right? Because if if the uh, rental inflation goes down, then that's a positive for us. Yes. You know, his, history is not on our side. Um, whenever the sixth recession red flags are up, going back to the 1960s, there's always been a recession uh, coming out, whether it's uh, four months from the last red flag or whether it's uh, 18 months. You know, the last time my sixth recession red flags were all up was late 2006. The recession didn't happen until uh, uh, 2008. So there's different variables at play with each cycle. But history isn't on our side. But but taking the bullwhip effect of high velocity economic data, which means it goes up and down really crazy, um, the way you avoid a job loss recession or anything big is that the growth rate of inflation has to keep on coming down. When that occurs, right, the bond market yield should go down, right? The Federal Reserve will stop hiking, right? They're bent on people losing their jobs. Okay. But if that could come down, especially shelter inflation, that should change their mind, right? And for me, the pivot, right? The pivot is jobless claims breaking above 323,000 on a four-week moving average. On a historical basis, that's still very low. But in that article, I showed some charts to show when jobless claims break higher from its low base, when the sixth recession red flags, that's it. The cycle's over, right? It's a job loss. So the question is, is the Fed going to be old and slow to react to this? Right now, they look to me very old, very slow, using old data, you know, not athletic enough, can't play ball. They're just, okay. If they're willing to change, right, uh, in that context, once jobless claims break, then bond yields should really go lower, Right. 
And then that will help because the core basis is, is always the same. The U.S. household balance sheets look good, right? Those two consumer protection laws in 2005 and 2010 have really set the historical dynamics of how credit and household balance sheets look in this country, which has never been recognized, by the way, by the American Bears for 12 years. Um, but here, if you use that foundation, then you can get demand back. First of all, housing should stabilize, right? Get mortgage rates down to five. The bleeding stops, right? The builders can start selling some of their homes. The backlog starts to come down. Then they can maybe start construction. And that needs to occur, right? So you're trying to thread a needle here with a all six recession red flags up. Leading economic index is now down eight months, right? Then you have the Federal Reserve, which is bent on people to feel pain. Pain, pain, pain. You need to feel more pain. Stop spending. Stop doing that, right? They're probably mad about the purchase application data right now. Um, but if we can change that, if the data can show that, then because the core foundation is still good, uh, you could avoid a job loss recession or it'll be such a minor recession uh, that it, it, it won't be anything big in the magnitude that we're talking about. Again, Today, the job openings data came out. It fell. We're about 10.3 million, right? We've always talked about job openings getting up to 10 million in this cycle. So the labor market is still good enough. Uh, jobless claims are still historically low. The quits ratio is slowing down, falling. When I talk about quits ratios, it's in the job openings data that Americans are quitting less to go for higher paying jobs. We see a big gap in pay for people leaving their jobs to go get something. The Fed does not like that. Right. The Fed is no, that's bad. Right. We're going to raise your interest rates and banks are going to make more money on credit card interests because inflation is bad. So we're going to make it worse. We're going to charge you up more interest. So you're getting hit on both ends here. Stop spending people. Right. So we're, we're still dealing in that phase. That can change. Right. The foundation is still there. It's threading a crazy needle. I know. But that would have to occur. Right. And of course, the recession did not happen in January of this year. People read the GDP data without looking at the other data lines and they just went with it. Uh, and now Atlanta Fed GDP is forecasting 4.3% growth. Don't put too much weight on GDP data right now. There's some inventory and export data that's very wild. Look at the consumer. Remember, domestic demand curve. China's a mess right now. Europe's a mess right now. The US has. What's the advantage? We have a lot of young people and they consume goods and services, right? So other countries don't have that. So that's our core foundation and the credit balance sheets still look good. So there is a way to get there, but it's really threading a needle and history isn't on our side. Speaking of buying goods and services, we had a really big Black Friday. Tell me what you what you yes. make of that data. Here's the thing. I mean, on a nominal basis, it's like 2.3% growth, right? So it's not like that big of a deal. But again, people consume goods and services all the time. So retail sales growing is, isn't abnormal. It's just about 155 million people working, right? So as jobs grow, more people consume goods. Um, the, the notion was that Americans were broke and everything's inflation's killing everything. So retail sales will be down 10% or or. Black Friday will be down 10%. And Black Friday doesn't mean like it like it used to uh, uh, as in previous decades. But here is just again very slow. Just keep the keep the consumption going. That keeps people employed. Um, it's when do, when domestic demand consumption falls. Like housing is in a recession. Housing went in recession in June. Why? 
sales are falling, right? Production is falling. Housing permits and starts are falling. Jobs are being lost in housing, which means total incomes are being lost as well, right? So that when, when, when we have a U.S. recession, that happens, right? People are making less money, incomes, incomes fall, jobs fall. Here, it's just housing at this point. Even with the tech layoffs, we still haven't seen jobless claims break over 300,000. So as long as people consume here, because we, we, we don't rely on exporting our stuff around the world. We, you know, we export inflationary. We bring in deflationary things when the dollar gets stronger. So we're dealing with this. So it looks, it looks fine. It's just that the context was the U.S. went into a recession in January, which means that millions of jobs should be lost or really not happening. Right? Retail sales should be not happening. Industrial production should be no, not happening either. So we could keep this afloat, but again, the the Federal Reserve is trying to stop this because you, all of you people listening here, you buying stuff is bad. You know, so uh, you you quitting your job to go for somewhere higher is not a good thing, right? Um, so they're bent on keeping financial conditions as tight as possible. But the job loss recession will change that, right? Listen, I have done my part, not only on Black Friday, but on Cyber Monday, on Giving Tuesday, like all all throughout this time, I have done my part as a consumer. So let's just say, you know, that if people are like me, we're, you know, that the spending is is going. But I think I think I really liked this article that you did for us. Can we still avoid a recession? Because, you know, it's it's hard to see, as you said that history is not on our side, but there are some really different variables this year. And I think that that is the key about everything you and I talk about is like, this is not a normal year. Listen, everything after 2020 is not normal. I mean, I mean, remember when I wrote the America's Back Recovery Model on April 7th, 2020, for a recovery in 2020, can you imagine how much hate message, crazy things that I was getting, (laughs) you know, and trying to write a recovery model during a global pandemic is tricky, right? Because you're dealing with behavior models that are just out of your control. But what we do have is that if majority of the people were working during COVID and then the rest got money, the core foundation of consumption service-based economy will still be there. It just the, the behavior had to stop the, the, the downtrend in not doing anything. And then all of a sudden we got a V-shaped recovery here. The core foundation is still there. We still have a lot of people in their twenties and thirties household formation, you know, but right now inflation rates, the fed housing in a recession, manufacturing data looks terrible. Now PMIs are all negative. Those things are historically in trend with the recession. This is what the Federal Reserve wants. They want you to lose your jobs to make their job easier. But there is a way, difficult as it is, but it needs the growth rate of inflation and it needs the 10-year yield to come down. Um, And then you could stabilize housing and then everything else will kind of... Because to me, if the housing recession wasn't here, I think a lot of people would take their recessionary talk off especially what I call podcast stock traders. They always use the housing. Housing is a cycle, right? In theory, it's correct. If you saw the builder's confidence index rebound, if you saw you know new home sales rebound in, in a meaningful way, if you saw monthly supply, again, for me with the builders, monthly supply has to get below six and a half months for them to, to even remotely think about building anything new. 
those things would change a lot of narratives. So everyone's waiting. And so the one thing, housing won't change as long as rates are hot, right? Nothing material will change. So we saw one little benefit of one little rate reduction on the long end side. Remember, the Fed is still hiking rates, but bond yields came down lower. So uh, it's it's a difficult thread. Um, historically, it's never been on a side. But again, models sometimes were made to be broken, especially in very uh, a unique situation. So I try to put a case up there for that. And there's two, and, and, and there's a lot of data in that article, uh, but it, it tries to pr- give a case. And again, the recession did not happen in January, Q1 or Q2, right? We're still going on. So the question is, can we stop this? And really, um, for me, it's always the Federal Reserve to me is a bunch of nerds that got beat up by a bunch of Wall Street people and they want to sound tough. Then they want to talk to bond traders and, and stock traders. Don't they don't want the stock market rallying? They don't want mortgage rates going down because that will create looser conditions. That's a big deal, right? It's all about tighter conditions and looser conditions, financial conditions. So rates going up higher is a positive for them. People losing their jobs is a positive for them. Uh, stocks going down is a positive. They literally say this. They literally, oh, the stock market down. That's what I want to see. So they're in this, I'm a nerd and I'm going to bully the Wall Street bond traders and stock traders now. That's how they're talking. If you talk to normal people, people are like, what, you want me to lose my job? What? They'd get knocked out in a bar if they said that, right? They're, so they're talking to bond traders and stock traders. So you have to look at it in that and then some of their stuff will make sense. Even Bullard this week was talking about, oh, the market isn't pricing risk of Fed rate hikes. We might go to 7%, right? So we're just in this environment. It's just more... People are more aware of it now because of the unique situation we're in. So speaking of jobs, Jobs Friday, a couple of days, what do you expect? Yeah, you know, the um, the ADP numbers came in a, a, a little bit lighter than expected. But I mean, jobless claims are low. Uh, job openings are still high. You usually see two to three bad jobs numbers a year, always, right? Uh, uh, so there's always going to be missed numbers. Uh, for us, remember in like the early part of 2021, there was a big jobs number miss and everybody said, oh, we're paying people to work or not work. That most Americans are working always. You got some people who are sitting in their cushy single family house yelling at people when these people were working during COVID, right? They were, they were working at food stores, getting you food and you're like, oh, these people are lazy. Oh, that, that's why that's one of the reasons why I took it, take personal offense on something like that. Those people were working while you were sitting in your comfy house on your computer, criticizing Americans. Americans are always working. We work too much. Look at the data for a hundred years, right? There's never this massive amount of people not working or sitting at home, right? It was always a lie. It was an ideological lie from extreme left-wing or right-wing people. Majority of Americans who want to work are always working, right? Uh, uh, It's just that our demand requires a little bit more labor than we usually need. Right. And we have a bunch of older people leaving the workforce. So it's a little bit more difficult now. But, um, you know, as long as claims stay under three hundred twenty three thousand on a four week moving average, I think that that labor market is still good enough for the Fed. The Fed wants higher unemployment rates. They believe you can get up to four point four or five percent without having a job loss recession because they believe that's the natural unemployment rate. Right. Uh, and, And People making less money is a positive for them. Labor supply grows. Wage growth comes down. That will uh, mean inflationary. That's that's how they're looking at it. That's why they talk about pain. You need pain. This is like you know Rocky II 
where, you know, uh, Mr. T back then says pain, you know? So that's why they use that word a lot. I mean, literally they're saying <laughs> pain, 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 right? So um, that's the Fed we're dealing with right now. So uh, there's nothing we can do until they feel a little bit more positive of the growth rate of inflation. Falling. Logan, thank you so much for being on today. We're going to cover Jobs Friday on our next podcast because it will it will be out and we'll we'll know what happened there. But thanks as always for bringing us your insight and I will talk to you again in a few days. Thank you. Uh, and also everyone remember, context is critical with purchase application data. I'm not kidding. You're adjusting to population. We're basically near all-time lows. So whatever moves you see, unless you get duration, and, you know, uh, uh, more time of growth on the year-over-year data, it, it's not much is going on, just a very uh, uh, a dead cap bounce or whatever we, how we want to phrase that. You need more positive data and a trend for it to be meaningful. Good context. That's what we look to you for. So thanks, Logan. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW+, membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.